love. I got what you want. I know what you want. I got what you need. I know what you need. I got what you like. I know what you like. I got what you love. I am your plug. And we are back. That's right, back again. It's another episode of the Hoop Plug. Yes, sir. And as always, rocking with you. It's me, Matt Frost, in the building. And I got with me, as always, my brother, Stir Fry Ty. Big up, Stir Fry. You know what I'm saying? Let me get some. How you doing, my brother? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm swell. And right before we get this podcast jumping, I got an announcement. Your boy is now officially full-time with the shits. This is my last week working in uh, corporate America. You know what I'm saying? It is time for me to take the next step and marry the game, bro. It's time for me to marry the hoop plug. So all those loyal listeners, everyone that's been rocking with us, don't stop now. Support the pot or your boy's going to be broke. <laughs> that's right. We're going to need you. Okay. Definitely. Wanted to get to this point for a while, man. Me and Faraz have had those claw talks and came to the decision. We're, we're locked and loaded, man. We're ready to go. We're full steam ahead. Everything else you could say, that means this. Yep. Expect the utmost greatness from the Hoop Plug Podcast going forward. Big year, big things all on the way, baby. Yes, sir, man. You already know. First off, shouts out my boy, Ty, man. That's a big move. You know what I'm saying? And now we're so happy for what we're going to be able to bring to you guys you know what i'm saying the hoopla we have a vision we have a dream so far we've been able to fulfill that you know what i'm saying it's baby steps but man we're on the way so much love you guys don't stop the support you know what i'm saying don't stop all that you're doing keep tuning in without further ado let's get into it the updates aren't gonna stop there because we got a ben simmons alert Ben Simmons alert. Ben Simmons alert. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We finally have some real news in Philadelphia. Daryl Morey saying that the 76ers see a deal that would work, could work, with the Kings for one Ben Simmons. The rumored package is one Tyrese Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, and Buddy Heald. Frost, what do you make of this? Man, rumored trade off. This is the only solid deal that I can actually see happening so far. Man, we've heard a lot of talks, a lot of Damian Lillard, this, all types of all stars, that. And I think, given the Sixers' tough predicament, they got to deal with a team who's got to put it all on the line. And that's very much the case with these Sacramento, these Sacramento Kings. The GM, their front office has been notoriously bad from the days of drafting DeMarcus Cousins. They got lucky, Thanks. they drafted him. But other than that, between him and, you know, De'Aaron Fox, there's been probably a top five pick at least 95% of the time. Like, I'm not exaggerating. The Kings have been so bad that they've had, like, literally 10 top five picks out of maybe the last 13 drafts and have nothing to show for it. Besides De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, a beat up, bruised, his ego, his confidence (laughs) is done. Marvin Bagley, he's done. Same thing with Buddy. You know what I mean? But uh, I just think Buddy has a little bit of a higher ceiling. 
uh, Marvin, I think, has just shown no signs of the potential that he once showed. Regardless, I think you actually get a decent package. You get an older 3-and-D player in Harrison Barnes. Tyrese Halliburton is, okay, skipped over him, but he was picked later on in the, in the first round. But I think he's going to be a solid, productive point guard for years to come. And Buddy Heald, you fit him in on the right team. <clears throat> he's been in the league, what now, five, six years now at this point. But he's got that NBA frame. We know what he can do, which is shoot the lights out of the ball. Uh, in the right system with the right coaching and the right confidence, he's a he's an elite shooter that can spread the floor with you, which is something that you need with a guy like Joel Embiid as your main focal point. So I think this is as good of a trade as the Sixers are going to get, and this is the most realistic option that we've seen so far. And, man, you talked about Sacramento really needing this, and I got to agree with you, man. This is a place where first-round picks go to die. Right. It seems like they'll have some initial success. We've seen it with Buddy even his first year. People forget it was a long time ago now, but he was good that year. Darren Fox was good his rookie and sophomore years. Tyrese Halliburton off to a hot start. But like you're saying, it's a revolving door for these guys. So once they get another lottery pick, they push the older ones to the side. And it feels like it really feels like Sacramento needs something big, something drastic to turn the tide for them, man. And what better way to do that than Ben Simmons? But I think Daryl, like Daryl's a smart guy, right? I think there's a good chance, a real good chance, he's using these words, that radio show where he said he sees a deal that could work. I don't think it's this deal. I don't think it's this deal. I think he really wants De'Aaron Fox. He's been gung-ho about saying he's a top 25 player if he's trading Ben Simmons. And, oh, I'm actually seeing a new update more recent news for the 76ers. They're hoping for a Harden. That's right. James Harden, Ben Simmons deal. They don't expect that to come during the season. They don't expect it by the February 10th trade deadline. But they think that could possibly happen in the offseason. Do you, do you buy into this? I don't know, man. To be honest, one thing about Daryl Morey that we've known for a long time is he loves drama. He constantly finds himself on that side of, of whatever you want to call it, the news, that angle, whatever it is, man. They've really shut down so many people, and this situation has been so ugly yeah. that a lot of people actually have shied away. So I feel like actually a lot of teams weren't even sure that the negotiation was still on the table. I thought the Sixers were just taking the biggest L of all time. They were going to bench Ben Simmons maybe until next season. You know what I mean? He was going to eat the fines. They were going to get some of their petty feelings out the way and probably split ways sometime at the beginning of next season or maybe before the trade deadline. Um, if they can make something work this time around, I think you have two teams that are going to benefit from it. You know, the Sixers, instead of losing almost all the value they'd get for Ben Simmons, they get, you know, a package with at least a couple young guys and people that can impact what they're doing positively. Whereas the Kings now Ben Simmons is going to an ideal situation for himself. No expectations. It's still California, you know, so that's kind of how I feel about it all. Yeah, and I agree with you. One thing I think Daryl Morey, the last thing he's thinking about is where Ben Simmons wants to go right Oh, now. yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, give yeah. Him a fuck. But that, that does make sense. You know, a good deal is when one and when all sides win. And that would definitely be, seem to be the case, at least on the surface. But this deal, this rumor, right, that they're waiting till the offseason sounds like it came straight from the Sixers. It was like they tapped Woj on the shoulder and like, hey, you, you should run with this. You know why? Because we need some leverage. Yeah. You cannot, and I'm not the first one to say it, and I know I'm not going to be the last, but you cannot waste a healthy MVP caliber season from an often injured superstar 
in his prime. You cannot waste this year from Joel Embiid. You can't guarantee that he's going to be healthy for another four or five years. You can't wait that long. So I think Sixers put this out there. They need a sense of urgency. Everyone's lowballing them because Ben Simmons doesn't even want to play for them. Mm -hmm. So they know they have nothing to lose. But who knows if this works? I just want to see this man play basketball again, which means he can't be in that red and blue. Yeah. I mean, sad to say, but that's just what it's going to be going forward. Ben Simmons, elite-level defender, elite-level playmaker. Unfortunately, his shooting and scoring could not catch up to the rest of the aspects of his game. But it's not too late. You know what I mean? So Not too late. With all that being said, hopefully the Sixers are able to make something happen, make something shake over in Philly. So that way my boy Fick doesn't have to go through another long extended <laughs> process. Moving on. Man, we hate to see it. One of the probably most popular players in the NBA, Alex Caruso, got unfortunately Grayson Allen. Down there in Chicago. You know what I'm saying? Alex ending up out six to eight weeks with the ankle injury. I mean, a wrist injury. And Grayson hit with the one-game suspension by the league. For us, fair or foul? What'd you think of this? That was foul, man. And you know what? Maybe I'm biased. You know what I'm saying? Hate to see the Caruso miss even a single game over in Chicago. You know what I'm saying? Big Chicago fan. You, You guys already know that. But... Grayson has taken this ugly side of his game from every single level and brought it with him to the league. You know what I mean? Um, And, you know, some people might say wasn't that hard of a foul. Maybe I'm biased. But my whole thing is this. He's in the air. The original play was a basketball play. But he just made some dirty move after on the follow through. Brought my mans to the ground. Um, my My whole thought process of it is this, right? I think that. The NBA should have made a bigger deal of it in game the day of the game than the next day like they did because, again, we were talking, you know what I mean? And they punished the result, the injury, I think, a little bit more than the actual thing that happened, right? But we all know Grayson Allen did not care. The Bucks posted a video the next day of him eating a jelly donut. That was disrespectful. That's what did him in. Yep. That was disrespectful. <laughs> they were like, oh, no, this is Gilbert Arenas making jokes after uh, bringing a gun in the locker room. We can't <laughs> let this slide. You know what I'm saying? This is too much. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, though. I personally think that it was warranted. Um, I think that, again, Grayson Allen's reputation has definitely preceded himself. But slap him with a game. Slap him with two games. Shoot, slap him with five. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Bulls fan. He injured one of our core guys. I don't mind seeing him miss a few games, just like we have to lose our guy for a couple games, you know? Well, way more than a couple games, but. <laughs> way, way, way more, more than, than a couple, couple games. games. <laughs> and you hit it, man. Reputation does matter. So we know about uh, Grayson with the Draymond Greenish reputation. You know what I'm saying? A couple hits under the belt, a couple feet where they shouldn't be. And this is what happens, okay? You can't get away from your past, and the NBA is no exception. So, yes, you're right. The foul, I don't think, was made with malice, not made with bad intent. But the NBA did punish the result as much as the act. So that's how you see Drayson, Grayson, my fault, get hit with that one-game suspension. And <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> a name. <laughs> Sorry, but go ahead. I ain't mad at it. NBA doing what they need to do. Yeah, you know, we got the we got the reputation as the cupcake league, and we got to stand strong by that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. So um, moving on. 
is an interesting this is an interesting place where we are for this next subject man it almost feels like an alternate dimension okay talking about that team you know what i'm saying midwest not one that you hear about often you know we're not talking about detroit we're not talking about milwaukee or chicago we're talking about cleveland we're talking about the land and there's no lebron james involved what is going on <laughs> you know uh these honestly for us honestly go ahead I think this might be the first time we're talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers on this podcast. The only other time, and I remember it very well, was when we were previewing last season, and we took like maybe uh, five minutes. That doesn't count. To we, poop we on them. About everyone. <laughs> no, 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 no. We took five minutes to specifically poop on them and oh, say yes. they're gonna probably That's be right. another. That was fun. It was great. I loved it. You know what I'm saying? It was. <laughs> we were like, it'll probably be another ten years till we see any type of relevance in Cleveland, right? And here we are, not even a year and a half later, and we are proven wrong. Man, mm. this Cleveland Cavalier team is the definition of a team. You know, you would think you would think Popovich was the coach. You would think this is the Spurs. The way that this nice. Cleveland Cavaliers team is playing, man. Shouts out to those young guys, my boy Darius Garland. You know what I'm saying? Colin Sexton, Jared Allen. You know what I mean? Your boy Evan Mobley, who I was sleeping on. So, man, this Cavaliers team has been hooping, sitting at fifth in the Eastern Conference. Out of nowhere, nobody expected this, man. Tyler, what's your thoughts, brother? Man, first of all, I just love to see a team like this, right? It felt like my Knicks from last year. Yup. Just rising to the top, you know what I'm saying? Wet behind the ears, don't know what they can and can't do, so they're just going out there and playing hard every night. And you've touched on it. Darius Garland has taken another step. Kevin Love. Isn't it good to see Kevin Love get some minutes again? You know what I'm saying? A veteran, a champion, and a real leader on this young bunch. So it's good to see him. You cannot measure what a guy like that can bring to a team in terms of know-how, being in tough situations on the road, in the trenches. It's invaluable. And my boy Evan Mobley, the rookie of the year. Baby Kevin Garnett. That's right. I found my comp. You know, we were talking the other day. I was like, I don't know who to compare him to. He's got such a natural feel for the game. Something you only see this early and usually guards. Usually big men, maybe they could protect the rim like that, but they don't have the natural feel to switch on the perimeter and guard these shifty guards. Understand pick and roll coverages, when to drop, when to hug. You know what I'm saying? He's doing it all at a super high level. Same skill without the bite. It's a baby Kevin Garnett. <laughs> man, I, I love that comp, man. And he's he's putting up solid numbers. I mean, Garnett-type numbers. He's a rookie averaging 15 and 8. You know what I mean? Cracked into that starting lineup, especially now, you know, Laurie Markkinen is gone. Uh, he's injured a little bit, so a, a lot more pressure is going to – not pressure, but they're going to share some of that, you know, miss that hole from Laurie onto my boy Evan. And, I mean, if you look at that front court, man, this this Cavaliers team is, is big. They're – they're monsters. Cleveland Giants, bro. They're literally the Cleveland Giants, dude. Besides Darius Garland, you got who, who's your starting lineup? You got Isaac Okoro, who's normally a three, right? Laurie Markinen, Jarrett Allen, and Evan Mobley, who are all guys 6'11 and taller. Jeez. Crazy. Jeez. You know what I'm saying? And then on top of that, 
Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley's putting up 15 and 8. Jared Allen's putting up 16, 11, and one and a half blocks a game. My boy Darius, him and Darius Garland, potential all-star berths this season. Darius is damn near averaging 20 and 10, 20 points, 10 assists, you know? He's been hooping out of this He's got world. a good shot. He's got a good shot to get in, man. I hope he does. He deserves it. Cleveland deserves it. I'm with you. I'm with you. And sky's the limit for these young guys. They still, you know, they have a, a aging K-Love who has yet to really... Here's rounds the limit, you know. What I'm oh, oh, yeah, but I mean, listen, right? I'm talking the future, right? Darius Garland, second-year player. Isaac Okoro, second-year player. Colin Sexton's in his fourth or fifth year, injured, right? But absolute animal when he is on the floor. You know what I mean? Uh, he's essentially a, a, a tougher uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, in my opinion. Colin Sexton is an absolute dog. You know what I mean? So we haven't seen all of their young pieces together as of yet. But I think, you know, once you slot in Colin, Isaac Okoro now goes to the bench. He's your sixth man. I mean, this team is going to be good for years to come. And I almost can't believe that I'm saying it. <laughs> Me either, bro. I, I miss when we were shitting on them. Can we go back, please? Uh, dude, the thing <laughs> is, around those times, both our teams were horrible. It's crazy how the NBA pecking order changes up, you know? Yeah, for some. For some, you know, there are some other <laughs> franchises that are not as fortunate. Yeah. I will not name name Sacramento. <laughs> but um look, speaking of the Cavs, they are playing my New York Knicks and what a I can't think of a better opportunity to talk about the state of the garden, the state of the Mecca, the state of the orange and blue. My guys are still mediocre. Julius Randle <laughs> is still struggling but rj barrett isn't you know what i'm saying he has been on a tear as of late averaging 23 i saw a crazy stat i think 20 22 or 25 and 5 there are six players that are averaging those stats so far in the season and rj barrett's up there with lebron and Giannis and some other crazy players and that's just the type of thing we like to see you know what i'm saying he just came out it's top 15 in jersey sales so let's see if the game hey. can catch up you know what i'm saying new york will propel you to untold heights <laughs> like no other city can. Um, and when we like you, we love you. There's no in-between, um, as Julius Randle has found out. So uh, <laughs> it's been good. You know, we have to find our silver linings in a year like this, a year of disappointments, and R.J. Barrett has definitely been a bright spot. Oh, yeah, man. And we've been waiting for him to take the leap. I mean, besides him, you know, uh, everyone on this next roster has kind of taken a step backwards from where they were last year. You know, we expected Julius Randle to keep up some of that consistent play. We expected Mitchell Robinson to take the next step. We expected Emmanuel quickly after a strong rookie season to take, you know, a lot a larger uh, a larger seat at the table, you know what I mean? Um, and then with all that being said, too, R.J. Barrett, he was slow his first couple of years, you know. Watch Zion that first season, play, not the first season, but play 72 games in his second season. Hoop out, you know what I'm saying? Ball, Zion was getting love. You know what I'm saying? Seeing John ja Morant and what he's doing and the absolute tear that he, he's been on, you know what I mean? So I'm glad to see that R.J. Barrett is finally, you know what I mean, holding up his end of the share, you know what I mean? Because R.J. is a beast. You know, he came into, he was the number one guy out of this class all the way up until the draft, you know what I mean? So uh, R.J.'s a bucket, you know what I mean? He's a big two guard, he's a beast, he can do it all. You know, I think his thing is really just consistency. Once he gets that going, which he has... He's in New York. You put a couple guys around him who you don't even need to change this team, really. The Knicks just need to play up to their level. You've got a solid squad. Definitely going to sit higher than fifth in the Cavs, that's for sure. So, <laughs> Yeah, man, there is some hope. You know, you just got to squint your eyes and really look for it. So, uh, <laughs> Nick Nation, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to 
Sprays Spears, okay? I know y'all been trashing Julius Randle on Twitter and, and complaining about the season, fire tips, everything. Everybody gets falls under the gun when teams are losing <laughs> like this. So, hey, I, I ain't really mad at y'all. But there is another shining light on this Knicks team. It's the newly acquired Cam Reddish, okay? He hasn't got much time yet, five minutes as of now, the time we are recording this podcast. But he did look sharp, man. He had one bucket, hezzy drive reverse lay and it's the smoothest any nick has looked scoring any basket <laughs> outside of derrick rose hey, on this team go. all year i had to i had to pause you know what i'm saying <laughs> i forgot he's been injured a while out of sight out of mind but hold on d rose i gotta give you your props and get also no i'm with you man listen right i thought you guys got a great steal of a deal for cam reddish you know you guys gave up a kevin mm, knox and bars a, yeah man yeah listen <laughs> Cam Reddish, <laughs> yo, you really threw me off. Well, thank you, first off. But second <laughs> off, <laughs> now you good. Now, Cam Reddish is a hooper, bro. You know what I mean? We knew what he can do. He was that guy with, with uh, Zion and RJ. You know what I'm saying? Uh, sky's the limit for him. I think he just needs to carve his place out at the in the NBA, which I think th- uh, Tibbs is a good coach for him to do that with. I think Tibbs is going to, you know, Give him the exposure, but also make him earn it. You know what I mean? And so I think a guy like Cam Reddish is so coachable, and he's looking for that coach. You know what I mean? That that atmosphere to help him grow as a player, grow as a human being. And you guys see what he'll give you in return. You know what I mean? That's facts. And he wanted to be here, so this is part of it. Like you said, Tibbs is going to make him earn it. But my last part of this sermon for you Knicks fans, let me wrap it up with this. <laughs> there is a plan in place. A plan that could lead us to prosperity. All this young talent being brought on board. It's not the top 10 guys. It's not the Jason Tatums. It's not the Luka Doncic. But it's a good crop of talented young players. The quickly is the Toppins. The rookies. The McBrides. The Quentin Grimes. These guys have all scored 20, 25 points. Had their nights. Showed their potential in different settings. In different arenas around this NBA association. Oh, yeah. So just know. We're positioning ourselves, getting ready to make that mega move for that mega star. And when it does happen, yes, we will let some of this young crop go, but we're still going to have some left. It's going to be different than that big Carmelo trade sending everyone and their mama to Denver <laughs> this time. Oh, yeah. it should work. I hope. <laughs> I hope. Hey, man. You know, I, I almost preached too much. I was like, I'm not even believing this anymore. <laughs> Listen, man, I ain't even a Knicks fan and you had me hype for a second. Shoot. <laughs> Moving on, I really want to tread lightly here, but I don't even want to call it a team. But that firestorm that is the Los Angeles Lakers is up next on our list. You want to take us into this one, Ty? So, making headlines all across the world, you know what I'm saying? At least the NBA world. Russ gets benched two games ago, four minutes left, playing awful. It was the turnovers, the bricks. They all really coming in a high volume, something you don't want to see if you're a Laker faithful. But Frank Vogel, on the hot seat himself, decided to bench Russell Westbrook at the end of this game. Uh, it was just another disappointment in what's been a mediocre, at best, season for the Los Angeles Lakers. Russ's quotes after the game, I was disappointed I didn't go back in, but I'm more disappointed that we lost. You like to hear that, you know what I'm saying? Russ is someone that kind of gets painted in a bad way, but I do think at his core he really thinks about winning more as the main thing than his personal achievements even though he's racking up the stats and it looks like he's just stuffing stats out there 
So what did you think, one, of Russell Westbrook getting benched, and two, the Lakers' struggles? Man, <clears throat> there's no way, not in this world, not in another world, there's no way you're going to convince me that future Hall of Famer, NBA was just listed this season, NBA Top 75 of all time, Russell Westbrook mm. is so ineffective, so detrimental to your team that he's causing you. He's causing all of this? Russell Westbrook? Mr. Triple-Double? Like, come on, man. Let's be honest here. They're looking for a scapegoat, scapegoat and, you know, it follows the trend of where Russell has been for the last few years in his career. So it's easy to put the blame on him, man. And another thing, Thanks. right? Even though I, I want to say it's partially Frank Vogel's fault more than it is Russell Westbrook, I don't even put the blame on him. I put the blame on the front office. My boy, Robbie Palenka, he's hiding right now. You know what I'm saying? But they put together the oldest lineup of all time with a coach that can't even run the system. Frank Vogel is a great coach. You know, he's, in my opinion, top 10, maybe top, maybe top 12, to maybe top 10 coach in the NBA. He's obviously won a championship. He separates himself from the other main major group of coaches, right? He puts himself in that upper echelon, the Steve Kerrs, the Popoviches, you know what I'm trying to say, uh, the Spolstras, you know what I mean? Now, with all of that being said, Frank Vogel is a defensive-minded, grit-and-grind coach. We saw that, and he did it to perfection in Indiana. He does not have that same team, especially without an Anthony Davis, and, you know, when your average lineup is 33 years plus, right? Uh... With all that being said, they were able to make it work in the bubble. There was just so much firepower, so much excitement, so much momentum behind LA at that point in time. But man, Frank Vogel hasn't been in a proper situation. These Laker teams are rushed together. I think this team, honestly, on paper, you look at it, you're like, this team is capable to win games. They have veteran experience. They have scorers. They have playmakers. They have rebounders. But I think a big thing to this whole Russell Westbrook situation, which is the reason why it's been so difficult to see these Lakers mesh, is LeBron James and Russell Westbrook are practically the same player. You know what I mean? LeBron James does it in a more calm and higher IQ, whereas Russell Westbrook's doing it at 100 miles an hour, you know? And the fact that Russell Westbrook is able, like we kind of talked, we touched on it yesterday, but Russell is able to come into this system with no cut-out role. One day it's the second guy. One day it's the third option. One day it's the sixth option, for Christ's sake. You know, they got him They got him on the bench, right? But, man, some, something's got to give. And the crazy part about all that is, right, they lost the game. You know what I mean? They lost the game. And the only reason why I say that I believe Russell Westbrook is not a stat chaser and he wants to be successful, he's got all the stats in the world, man. He could retire tomorrow. He'd be a Hall of Famer. He'd he'd hold the record for most triple doubles. He'd literally be the stat king. You know what I mean? (laughs) But uh, no, man, Russell Westbrook is a winner. You know what I mean? And that's why he gives it all every single time on the floor. A stat chaser doesn't give it all. On every a stat chaser will chase one stat and give it their best in that stat. Not play lockdown defense, rebound the ball, facilitate. Nah, man, that's not Russell Westbrook, man. And I'm tired of them putting all the blame on him. That story is old, you know. And that's that's well said. Uh, I agree with all of it except for the defensive part. He's kind of been a turnstile at times, but you know what I'm saying. He's an older guy. Mm-hmm. Can't expect him to be out there, Avery Bradley and Patrick Beverly and you know what I'm saying. So, a couple things. One, Russell Westbrook, 
not all his fault. Frank Vogel, not all his fault. They were dealt both bad hands, right? It's a mismatch in coaching to roster, and it's a mismatch in Russell Westbrook and what he's actually suited to do in this point of his career. The second one, which you probably could put on Rob too, is Russell Westbrook at this point is no longer a number one option. He's no longer a number two option on a real contending team either. But I think once AD comes back, which should be next game against Brooklyn, and he's in that proper role as a three, sometimes not even the number three, probably a number four when Carmelo has it going, or Malik Monk, that's going to look a lot better. The one thing that I found out from watching these Lakers games is although Russell Westbrook's still struggling, not every game, but he still has those struggles, he has figured out how to play with LeBron. He has figured out how to play in this system. So once AD gets back and he actually looks like a top 25 guy, hopefully he can. He's definitely capable. I expect this team to actually start clicking. Yeah. This is a team that's going to make the playoffs. This is a team that's going to make some noise if healthy. I fully believe that. I'm not ready to jump off the bandwagon, okay? Russell Westbrook is not the problem in L.A. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's definitely not Carmelo Anthony, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah no, Shouts out. No, but you, may, you make a valid point, man. We can't forget that Anthony, Anthony Davis, when healthy, although falling over every time he makes a dunk attempt, is a top 10 player in the league, right? He's, he's a very dominant force. You know, we haven't seen it as consistently as we would like to, but we know, we know what's there. We know what we're going to get. I'm with you, man. I think this Lakers team... Is it has something there, you know what I'm saying? But the problems are not. Will they? Will they get it out? Yeah, exactly. Will they? And that's a big question, man. There's a lot of ifs. Um, I think they need some small moves. First of all, they need help, right? Like you got to get Avery Bradley and Trevor Ariza playing five minutes a game, not 25. Yeah, and you know what I'm saying. And you need to get Malik Monk's been good. There's another guy. Kendrick Nunn. I think he's played like one or two games. Like he hasn't played much at all. Yeah. He's been hurt most of the year. AD has been hurt most of the year. LeBron has missed a lot of games. And when you let Russell Westbrook be your number one and number two, yikes, it's not going to be all good. Not at this point. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it. Another episode of the Hoop Plug in the Books. Ross, any final words for the loyal listeners? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. I just want to shout out the listeners, man. Shouts out to y'all. Y'all been keeping the Hoopla going strong. You know what I'm saying? As always, don't forget to follow us on the gram, hoop underscore plug underscore. Check us out on YouTube, Hoop Plug on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Everywhere you go, it's Hoop Plug, baby. Thanks for the love. Thanks for the support. Don't stop because we're coming at you 100 miles an hour. Put some flavor in here.